0: This is Making It Happen by SIMS, a podcast that brings people, business, and technology together. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to another Making It Happen by SIMS podcast. Um, For those of you who follow the semiconductor industry closely, uh, this will probably be quite an exciting one for you today. Um, We have an expert and a very well-known figure in the house today uh, and on the podcast. Um, he actually has, I believe, over forty-three thousand followers on LinkedIn. Is that right, Marco? I'm not counting, there. but you're probably right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, for some of you, you may already follow his news and his updates uh, on all things memory, semiconductors, um, and security. Um, but for those who don't, this will be, and those who do, will be a very interesting to listen. Um, and we're going to try and update you on where things are in the industry right now and, and how we've really got here. So, um, with that. Um, marco um how are you <laughs>
1: i'm very well thank you yeah. and we were just
0: discussing before we come coming here so you're actually based in taiwan
1: yeah that's correct yeah. That's, i'm yeah. based so, in uh, so, taipei
0: so, in taiwan yeah so how long you've been based out there
1: uh five years now so okay. I'm, I'm living here since uh, since five years i yeah. uh, really enjoy it uh, it's the heart of the semiconductor industry and the people are absolutely lovely here it's a great great place
0: yeah. So so with all that, so do you want to just give a bit more of a, a background on your industry? And, and again, let's touch on the LinkedIn um, work that you do around sure. the updates and, and what goes into that.
1: Okay. Sure. Absolutely. So again, my name is uh, Marco Metzger. I'm originally from uh, Germany, but as just mentioned, I've uh, lived since five years in Taiwan and lived before also Singapore, Hong Kong. China so traveled most of the time of my life and always worked in the semiconductor industry so I'm an entrepreneur Uh, I'm an investor and an advisor uh, working with companies highly focused in the the semiconductor um, industry I have basically the chance to work in different levels of the industry I worked in distribution I worked at uh, manufacturing I worked in consulting and uh, so for me as a as a passionate leader, I, I focus mainly in the memory technology, right? So semiconductor is a, is a pretty broad field, but I mainly work in the in the semiconductor industry. That's my expertise. That's also my passion. Uh, I love this, you know, even there's a very high volatility. This also gives a lot of opportunities in terms of helping people, understanding the market. And so that's what I do now almost since, yeah, I think, around uh, about uh, 25 years. I also work, for example, in the finance community. I work with hedge funds and pension funds to understand the memory market better, as best as we can do it um, as uh, as experts. And also, I work uh, in in Taiwan on TV shows as an expert, also discussing about this industry so you mentioned about my linkedin Um, linkedin is really something i have developed many years ago already where linkedin was not so popular and it was a very simple task for me because i saw a lot of informations you know like uh, it was on linkedin on the internet and i tried to find a space where i put this information because it was very valuable information which i want to keep and i started to basically post it and save it so in my feed i saw these informations like the you know like the statistics and all of this and somehow more and more people had the same idea they also want to see this and i'm creating everything by myself so i think there are people out there they have companies or they have other people managing this for them but for me i spend every day through around about two hours at least i get up very early in the morning, I'm reading the news. I, I need to see what is uh, what is important for me and for my business. And then I create and select the, the messages or the posts I want to share with my, uh, with my followers. And that's roundabout...
0: 20 million views per year at the moment Blimey. Wow. okay okay and and is, and is that how has that viewership changed since obviously we we'll, we we'll discuss the market that we're in now and, and the volatility around that is is that is that happened overnight or has that just been a gradual sort of increase in your followership
1: now, this has basically an, an increased over a, a longer period, and it's also very consistent because you know, I know there's a lot of people out there, they also try to build up something there, but you need to be extremely consistent, and I mean not consistent for a week, for months, for a year, I mean for years. Yeah, so I post every single day around about three, four times. And I look especially for data points because, you know, in our industry, when you buy reports, they are quite costly, right? So to get market information, I'm sure you, I mean, you're also a specialist in memory. So you are interested in, okay, where's the demerit market going? How is the market share? You know, who's the winner, who's the loser? And some of the the great uh, companies who who are doing this and who provide the services, very valuable reports, they also give out some of their data for, free as a teaser and this kind of information this is this is normally what I try to share and also in a bigger context understand more about the different industries right so uh, like for example the mobile industry the industrial industry the AI robotics because this gives you a better understanding how is the market growing right where where is the market uh, basically going because at the end of the day I really need it for my own business. So I'm the COO and EVP of a memory technology holding company called Neumonda. Mm -hmm. And in this way, I need to be up to date about what is going on on the market. So I'm not doing this to please someone. I basically do it because I need it for my own business.
0: I see, I see. (laughs) And everyone just reaps the rewards of that, don't they? So again, I think we're we're fairly aligned. I think you may have come across it. We obviously run a market intelligence foresight service here at at Sim, So we obviously play Mm on again sims have been around for sort of 30 plus years so we've got a wealth of knowledge and experience and we're able to give foresight on price and supply again across all segments industrial server consumer you name it so yeah that's obviously been very very beneficial for our customers as well so um yeah we sound pretty in line there so i really appreciate that that sort of drill down and what i'll do is i'll put i'll put your linkedin down in the description so after this podcast people can can go take a look and then have a follow um so Again, we've discussed the premise of this podcast. Again, it's really for me, I want to wrap up what the recent happenings in the DRAM and NAND market have been with a bit of foresight as to what we think can happen. Again, we Mm -hmm. kind of go, do we really know? But for, for many they'll be following it and they'll understand it at the stage that we're in, um, which feels like a kind of a bit of defining one in history, really. Um, again, I'm fairly new to this. You've been around much longer than me in this game. So, um, but again, it feels like a very, very uh, weak, long drawn out market. So, but for those who don't, I suppose let's just get into it. And I don't just want to look back, start in the last six months. Let's take it back to the, to the pandemic. And then we'll follow the story from there to get to where we are now in June, 2023. So, in terms of the market, then, what happened to demand and supply then that's kind of led us down to this road now? Um, can you give a bit of a backstory on that and then we'll just follow that journey?
1: Sure. I mean, frankly speaking, I'm not so surprised about what has happened in the last two, three years because I'm, a, as you mentioned, I'm a little bit longer in the market. Yeah. And I think even, even the, the, the strong dip, which people say, oh my God, this is really crazy. If you look in the history, especially on, on DRAM, I mean, we have seen this in the past, these cycles, you know, like one year, like 60% up and then 30% down or 20% down. So it's like always extremely volatile. And this is basically... Because you have long cycles to build up capacity, right? So you maybe heard the term about the uh, capex. Yep. So that's basically capital expenditure for the, for the equipment. So even if a factory decides today, Oh, demand is going up. We need to, we need to build more capacity. It takes like 12 to 18 months to bring that factory up to speed. And then also, you know, you need to yield, like you need to look that you have a, a high success rate on the chips, what you're getting out. So I think with the pandemic, there was just like, mm, how to say this? There was like a special circumstances. And I think what everybody has heard about the automotive industry, they were suffering the most, right? Basically in the, in the early beginning of the start, um, The automotive industry had always kind this mantra that you know everybody they, they were thinking okay everybody wants to do business with us and everything what we do they just have to follow well that's not how it works in the semiconductor industry and i think especially the german car makers they learned their lesson because you know they were shutting down like their demand and you know what happened because of the pandemic some industry you know consumer electronics and others people have been home like TVs smartphones you name it was like booming going through the roof mm. so when you look at foundries um you know like who had basically uh, capacity who needed capacity they were filling this up for for example for processors in order to to sell to this kind of consumer electronics but of course every cpu also needs memory right mm. so you need a dram So without without a DRAM, a a CPU is not working. So that's also what helped the demand on the DRAM side during this period and where you have seen a a strong growth. And I'm sure probably also you had some challenges maybe with some customers where um, where they had trouble maybe to get parts. But lucky with SIMS, I think you have not only one brand, you have a few brands. So you can help them because it's a commodity to yeah. find a replacement, right? Which is a smart way um, to do this. And what happened in, let's say, the last, I would say, 12 months, I would say the writing was on the wall already last year in, in Q2, is basically during this time, a lot of the OEMs, they have piled up inventory mm. because they wanted to make sure, oh, I have I have all these projects, I need to make sure I have inventory no just-in-time production. They want to make sure I have my memory covered and also others, not only memory, other parts, and then basically being able to, to produce. Well, it turns out that 2022 was not continuing in that way as basically 2020 and 21 was. Just to give you an example in numbers, the global smartphone market in 2021 was 1.38 billion smartphones. Hmm. In 2022 they predicted that the growth rate will be between 5 and 10%. In reality it was 10% down. Right, yeah. So we're talking about 20% less. And 20% less in the smartphone market is around about 250 million
0: yeah. smartphones yeah. less. Yeah. So
1: you can imagine how many memory is basically not needed and you have seen a tremendous uh, price drop uh, on memory on DRAM and on NAND
0: yeah. since that time yeah yeah so again obviously taking it back to where you know you've you've seen cycles like this in the memory market just how long ago was probably the one that was last similar to this and do you truly believe that there have been ones that are similar to this
1: well, I think there's one indicator or one very interesting number I would like to share with all of us here, and that's the capex. Yeah. So this year, um, the capex for DRAM is the lowest since seven years in history. Yeah. So the last time it was that low, it was seven years ago. And for NAND, it's the lowest in eight years. Yeah. So normally, when this happens um, in combination, this reduction of wafer starts because let's explain again to the to the audience so the one is basically for the machine for the fabs for the equipment right where i told you you need 12 to 18 months to ramp this up Mm. the wafer starts is how many wafers you starting every month in order to get the output because the machines have to run every day you cannot really stop a wafer factory that's just makes no sense you have to do that but you can reduce the input of the wafers into the factory and um, if you follow this like last year micron um sk hynix even samsung finally this year said okay we are reducing the wafer input so normally from a wafer start until the finished product today you need to calculate around about four months
0: okay yeah.
1: this this is the time what you need to basically to adapt to a uptick in the market or to a downturn in the market. Hmm. And if you combine the reduced capex with reduced wafer starts, the market was still weak in Q1 and it's still weak in Q2. but I'm confident that we hit the button now okay. because because Samsung just announced the roundabout in March and April, they will reduce the wafer starts yeah. so to see an impact on this we need to go into july until july you still have the same quantity than before no impact on the market yeah in parallel you have uh, how you call it like depleting the inventory yeah. from the customers right so this is also happening so now think about it everybody is reducing their inventory maybe from i don't know from 8 weeks to four weeks because they know, hey, the market price continuously goes down. We don't need to worry. We just, wait because next month is getting cheaper, it's getting cheaper. Frankly speaking, you should not stress your luck too much at the moment because the chance that you get a lower price, yes, maybe you can still get a lower price next month, maybe 1%, maybe three or four, but the chance of the price going up is much higher and it's not only one or two percent we are talking then about double digit right, right? we are okay. talking about 10 percent and basically more
0: yeah okay and obviously you mentioned there about um i was going to say obviously ask you about the, the asps do continue to, to to still go down in some areas and again we're seeing some bottoming out now some leveling off and some price rises here and there but um what do we expect to bounce back quicker and 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 some reasoning behind this? Do we expect it to be the DRAM or the NAND market that will do that will bounce back a bit quicker?
1: Uh, well, I think between DRAM and NAND, there's one fundamental difference. So in NAND, you have some kind of supply or demand elasticity. Because if you know NAND is also kind of a replacing technology. Mm. for hard disk drives right so i know there are two camps and they say you know hard drives will always be around and they will not replace and i think to some extent i agree so there is some area some applications where hard drives um, are still even in the next few years i think a good solution but mm. there is a lot where you can replace if the price point is low enough then an ssd makes more sense than an hdd yeah okay so you can sell more. If a manufacturer is offering a lower price, then you can move it. Well, on a DRAM, if you get a better price on a DRAM, how do you create more demand? Just mm-hmm. building up inventory, right? Because you are not replacing another technology. So there it is a little bit more challenging. But there are also, the how you say this, the ups and downs are much more dramatic than on NAND. Yeah. Because the long-term NAND is kind of going down. But for DRAM, it's always like going up and down, and one two percent can make a huge difference on demand in terms of the um, of the pricing. So I believe you probably will see a stronger impact going back, you know, going up on the DRAM than probably you see on the net.
0: I see, I see. Okay, and um obviously last year and also into this year, obviously, the, the terrible war in Ukraine. Um, we're seeing rising inflation, that kind of thing across the world. Geopolitically as well, obviously, for those that don't know, obviously, the semiconductor can really be um, seen as a way that's really, really reshape, reshaping geopolitical issues. You know, It's, it's really key. It's, it's very much in the frame. Obviously, recently, we've had the US export controls that have been preventing US companies from sort of selling advanced technology to China. How do you really see this and just general geopolitical um, issues between these countries affecting the semiconductor industry now and in the future in terms of revenue and output?
1: Okay. Well, you used uh, the terminology like semiconductor industry. Let me quickly start with memory within this this segment, right? Because uh, memory, you have basically three players, Samsung, SK Hynix, Micron for DRAM. They own Mm -hmm. 95% of the market. Yeah. Plus, then you have, for example, Winbond, uh, Nanya, uh, with own fabs in Taiwan, with a smaller portion. Then you have a lot of like fabless kind of companies like ISSI, SMT, Etron, and you have in China, uh, for example, CXMT, which is like a Chinese DRAM um, manufacturer. But that's basically it. Th- these are the factories which are which are producing. And for NAND, in addition to Micron, uh, Samsung, SK Hynix, you have and you have western digital which are kind of together and you have in china ymtc okay so these are the the big blocks and i think uh, it's very unlikely that we will see a new player coming into this industry right because uh, you need to have a lot of patents you need a lot of experience especially DRAM is a very very big process to do this right so it's very unlikely that there will be new player coming in so it's kind of an oligopol um, for the DRAM and frankly speaking I believe on the NAND side we will probably see another merger so we will yeah. reduce so I think there are some talks right now you maybe heard about it Yorkshire, Western Digital um, to basically come together the challenge for them is true uh, they don't have DRAM yeah. so they cannot offset if the market is going on NAND down they don't have the mm-hmm. revenue kind of from DRAM basically where they can compensate for this so mm-hmm. that's a challenge uh, for them so I think there in terms of um, geopolitics I think there will be not really new fabs the fabs will be mainly built in the areas where they are today but for semiconductor in general I mean you heard about the news I mean this week it's just coming in like crazy I mean yesterday 25 billion US dollar new fab from Intel in Israel yeah. okay 30 billion US dollar, a new fab of Intel in Germany, like confirmed. Then I think TSMC in the USA, also TSMC in Germany. That's what many people speculate. And I I believe this will happen in in Dresden. So they will have another foundry there. Then Intel in Poland. I mean, who would have thought about this four or five years ago, that these factories will be built there? Nobody. Mm. Because everything was concentrated. And now, put the geopolitics aside, just pure risk management. It is not healthy to put a supply chain or like critical um, parts of the supply chain only in one regional area. So we should have even like, um, because even let's be honest, the factories they are building in the US or in, in Europe, they are a good start and they have something good for the industry here locally but for example to support a customer like apple uh, the factory is not enough for tsmc is building in the us oh, yeah. i mean the volume how they are ramping you know when they need for their iPhones per year the newest cutting edge technology will remain in taiwan right mm-hmm. but i think if you if you remember a few years ago there was the, the big incident in japan with fukushima yeah. right um, where there was the tsunami and in fukushima area in japan around there was um, uh, like a special epoxy, which was used for the electronic industry, which was all centered around there. So we are talking about areas. There's earthquake. There's tsunamis. There's power outages. There's a lot of these challenges. So I think in total, I think it's good for the semiconductor industry that also other regions having now like a little bit of the supply chain globally, and it's more distributed. Yep. But I can tell you, it will be more costly for the end customer. It will. You and I, we will pay more.
0: I will. Well, I suppose they're looking at it in a way like they do with cloud services now that how many DCs can we have globally just to create that redundancy really. So I think you've really explained that pretty well to be honest. So I think you'd be in agreement with that, right? So,
1: right. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
0: So um, with that, um, let's take a little look at emerging technologies. Um, and mm-hmm. before we sort of go into DDR5 and CXL, I actually just want to touch on um, chat GBT and AI. Um, so I've seen you cover this in your news, and we've all come across it quite a bit. So um, I think for those chat GBT, we've probably all heard about it by now. So it took, I think I believe it took um, just five days to reach a million users. Is that right? So yeah.
1: uh, it was ridiculously short, yes. Yeah, so short.
0: Quicker than all of the all of the large tech companies. So that's that's moving that's at a pace, and AI in general is moving at a pace. Um now true. again, I think I don't know whether you can correct me on this, but we we kind of we, we saw this news come out and kind of anticipated a bit of a demand and a bit of a tick-up on certain DRAM um due to this AI sort of um speed. That again, do you think that's happened? Um, but if not how quickly might that happen, and, and put some stress on the DRAM market to sort of provide for that?
1: No, I I think for sure the the, the AI has an impact uh, on on the memory to a certain extent for two technologies. I mean, one is the high bandwidth memory like HBM. Yeah, uh, this is normally like a technology where the DRAM manufacturers are directly involved uh, with. With the, with the manufacturers, for example, uh, with an NVIDIA, with an AMD, in order to um, to take the best possible solution that you have a higher bandwidth for the memory. Because actually DRAM in some ways sucks because, you know, the technology is like you have to do, you have to do a refresh. It's an old technology, but there's no technology basically coming out, which is replacing this. Yeah. So the bottleneck today in processing data is kind of the data path between the processor and the memory and so to make this high bandwidth memory they're using like tsv technology where they have like many many micro holes they're going through they're connecting several chips together and so you have like a higher bandwidth right but of course you also have ii solution with still taking kind of the traditional you mentioned it like ddr5 technology or ddr4 technology which is then on the memory module both Both technologies, I think, looking forward, because you have different levels of AI on-premise, cloud, data, highly specialized for Academica. So I think there's a lot of solutions out there. But one thing is clear, if you look on a current AI server for AI purpose, it's already double the RAM what the normal data center server needs. And the next generation AI server will have triple or even more RAM so no matter if it's coming in a chip package, like which is on a DRAM module, or if it's on an HBM, on a special package, it means more dice, more wafer allocated for AI. For sure. Right. This is yeah. this is definitely pushing the, the, the industry
0: and in terms of hpm what manufacturers are, are sort of working in that area at the moment are we just talking the larger manufacturers the, the ones that you mentioned the micron's the SK hynix or, or or is or is it spreading down further down the chain
1: um it's 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 a little bit of a challenge right because if you look into hpm i think we are now at hpm3 i think yeah. SK hynix has a pretty good product portfolio samsung has a good product portfolio and i think micron is going into this direction it's, it's kind of a standard right it's a, a JETEX standard but there are also solutions out where I think there are customized solutions where you can use an ASIC or another chip in between, mm-hmm. where you can create based for a customer a solution, um, which maybe fits a smaller application better than only the big ones. Because you know the biggest customer is AWS, like Amazon, is Alphabet, Google, Microsoft, Azure, Baidu, Alibaba. These are the big guys, and they normally they go with these solutions from Nvidia, AMD and from others. But I think this ecosystem has also some variances where people maybe don't want to have things in the cloud. They want to have their AI on-premise. I'm not sure you maybe also heard about some challenges when people copying information into ChatGPT and asking uh, for advice, uh, codes or anything. The problem is all the information you are putting into ChatGPT is public domain. Yeah, and i think even samsung had this incident that the engineers they got some coding solved but basically yeah. the information was out in the wild yeah so they basically stopped allowing this uh, to do this so i think you have to be very cautious uh, how you feed ai i mean it's 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 great and i would everybody suggest to at least have a chat gpt account play around with this asking question because this is the future if you don't know how to use this for yourself or your business, you will be left behind.
0: Yeah, it's just, I think a lot of people have been actually a bit daunted by it in terms of, you know, their understanding is this going to replace jobs or things like that. But actually, it's just another resource, to be honest. And it can just, it can just, it exactly in our marketing team, it just adds to our marketing team here, you know? Yes. Yeah, and um, so you mentioned, so I just want to talk a bit more about adoption and and going back to those technologies, so specifically DDR5 and CXL. Mm -hmm. Um, So in terms of adoption, how does that work, let's say, in the data center world? Because obviously, I think you mentioned AWS there around HBM. Mm -hmm. Will will adoption start with the hyperscalers and work its way down um, through the sort of tier ones to the lower CSPs, things like that? How, How does it work with adopting new technology in this area?
1: Okay, I probably, as an example, I would like to stay with DDR5 because this yep. is probably more understandable for the people, let's say a DDR5 module. First of all, the deployment of this new technology, of a new DRAM technology, is very much driven by the chipset man- manufacturer, right? For example, Intel. So Intel had, uh, the last few years, probably people also have heard this in the media, quite some challenges with their Release of products, you know, like with, uh, uh, with delays in, in bringing products out. And this also had an impact on the roadmaps and on the output for the, the DRAM manufacturers. But this year, Intel is heavily pushing, um, out DDR5 enabled chipsets. And they are pushing also working together with the DRAM manufacturer. That they have a higher adoption rate on DDR5 because also the DRAM manufacturer has an interest to sell the newest technology, not necessarily uh the DDR3, DDR5. But I'm sure you also have customers they are still happy to get, for example, DDR3 or DDR4, and they also need to find solutions, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so it's very much driven really by uh by CPUs, by chipsets, how they push this out and how. How is this available? How many how many parts are available? And then if the strategies are aligned, the deployment goes out, right? And that's basically what we see this year. I think this year is a big push uh, in the data center to DDR5 because you also have higher density memory modules, um, which you basically can use. You have higher speed and that's basically everything you know the the more density you have, the 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 more virtual servers you can make the more higher speed the more data you can uh, you can process and then you mentioned cxl right so you yeah. you also mentioned this hbm there are also huge steps uh, moving forward uh, the industry with standardization bringing products out bringing this as another mix into the game right? Because it's a standard, right? So that, that helps to our industry. It's kind of a commodity. You have more players who are offering this. And I think this is always very positive and better than a proprietary solution, right? Where, where you would stick only to one vendor because our customers, I mean, your customers are basically also driven by um, su- uh, supply chain sustainability. So this means like they need to be able uh, to f- have like different products on their bill of materials when there's an issue with one vendor so they can uh, they have another source in order to make the product ready for their customers
0: yeah sure okay and obviously we mentioned date center and i know you've you've, you've got quite a, is your background largely in industrial embedded that, that area is it or is yes. It spread across yes various segments
1: yeah so, so basically i started within the it industry so i'm familiar with server data centers but i think uh in the market segment of memory I'm mainly focusing on industrial and specialty uh, customers who need longevity, long tail uh, type of memory. So it's a little bit of a different uh, uh, requirement. And I think you have also similar uh, requirements uh, uh, that you have both worlds, you're serving industrial, but you're also
0: serving uh, data centers. And and on these segments and talking about future demand, obviously you mentioned about uh, Mm -hmm. not really seeing things sort of change dramatically until probably Q3, Q4. Um, uh, do we think these data center and 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 um, industrial embedded sort of segments are the ones that are going to drive this demand back, or, or is consumer and gaming going to keep up? How do, what segments do we really think is going to drive? Future um,
1: well, there are different ways to look at it. So I normally look at segments which the um, biggest K go per year, right? I mean, who have the different uh, the, the biggest growth per year, and I can tell you. It's not smartphones because we have a saturated market. So we Mm -hmm. have a replacement market. But already since 2022, we have more mobile phone contracts than people living on Earth. Okay, that's a pretty good indicator that you will not continue, that that you will go up with the growth rate like before, right? But you will still probably have 3% growth rate on average this year. They say 1%, but not like in the past. Then, for example, computer notebooks. Well, that's also kind of saturated. Uh, there are probably, you will have like 4 to 6% uh, uh, growth rate, also not so big. Mm-hmm. What is big is industrial. So a lot of, uh, there are several market research companies, I mean, including Gartner's, including McKinsey and, and others, they predict that for industrial semiconductor is like around 13% per year growth. For, um, for data center, similar, like 30%, also driven by AI. Yeah. And then for wireless infrastructure, everything kind of communication infrastructure. These are the biggest driver and they can also pivot, right? Um, especially the data center guys, you made a good point before when we talk about artificial intelligence. So that's sucking up definitely some demand, right? And and yeah. they only have a certain output there. And when they pivot more into this segment, um, last year was the first time in history that mobile DRAM was outpaced by server DRAM, so bit wow. shipment. Yeah. Because if you think about, you need a lot of DRAM bits for a server on a data center, mm-hmm. but not so much on a smartphone, right? Yeah. Even you have on a smartphone now maybe between six and twelve gigabyte. How much do you have on a on a server? We are talking one hundred ninety two gigs.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> and more on that. So that's basically outpaced, and this will not change again. So the yeah. biggest share on bit output in the future will be servers and data center for uh for DRAM so they have a big uh influence on the allocation of uh of the DRAM and on the output and mm-hmm. this can change then basically
0: yeah okay well I appreciate that and we I feel like we've covered a tremendous amount there um so <laughs> just bringing it back to sort of that's what's sort of happened, and again, we've sort of touching on what's come. I, I just want your sort of uh, your part in advice really to, to to our customers and to our viewers you know we're in a weak weak market, prices are low. What would you say to them to expect over the twelve months and how they should go about um, their business as such with in a DRAM and their market? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, as I mentioned in the beginning, they they maybe um, would be able to get a little bit of better pricing in the next four to six weeks, maybe. But you have to understand the DRAM manufacturer at the moment, they are not making millions or hundred millions of loss per quarter. They make billions, yeah. billions of loss. I mean, I talk about 2 billion loss from Micron, this is 3.7 billion revenue. As unfortunately,
0: in the workforces, we've seen t- tremendous cuts as well, haven't we? So it's been.
1: Yes exactly so it's pretty it's not rocket science it must be clear for everybody Mm -hmm. that it will not stay on that on that level so um i normally advise also like people in the industry right now if you have like a stable business let's say like industrial business and you have like long-term agreements with customers you need to make uh, and you need to deliver make sure you get a good price right now with your supplier, with your distributor, or with your manufacturer. Uh, be fair, don't be too greedy because I think it always comes back, right? So like sometimes it's a buyer's market, sometimes it's a seller's market. The best thing is you find a fair way. So I would normally advise people right now to look a little bit in the future to secure for the next 12 to 18 months their demand for a fair price for both sides and then make sure you know that you get it because the chance for Much lower prices is not there anymore. Really not. It's not healthy. But the chance for going up, just one more number I want to throw out there. Gartner just came out with it. They predict next year 70% growth in the DRAM market. 70%. And the World Semiconductor Trade Organization said 46% growth on DRAM. So again, these are research companies. Maybe you cannot believe one, but let's say if two, three are coming out with some numbers, you get a pretty good indication. The yeah. way is up. Okay, yeah. so I yeah. think that's pretty clear. And secure your supply chain. Um, make sure, depending on your product, if it's a consumer product, of course, then you anyway you bid at the time when all the others do, and then it's just how is your appetite. For risk and how much cash you have, you know, that you keep some extra inventory, but I would strongly advise um to secure and to negotiate right now, still a good deal possible for the next 12 to 18 months
0: okay okay well thank you and that's some really really good advice for our for our customers and for for our viewership to take away today so again i want to thank you for coming on and taking the time to speak to me marco hopefully we can do this in another six months and let's see where the market's at and see what's changed (laughs) in line with what we said so (laughs) um but yeah as i said i i will drop marco's um link in linkedin in the description and hopefully we can add to your followership there as well um and again sims here we obviously we run a free of charge um for Foresight service where we we do monthly DRAM and NAND um, updates sort of for, giving foresight on pricing and supply across all of those segments that we've mentioned um, as well. So I will put that link, link in below. But yeah, um, thank you for listening today, everyone. And Marco, thank you for coming on. I hope you have a nice evening in Taiwan.
1: All right. Thank you very much. You're it very is. welcome.